The following program is sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group, which is solely responsible for its content. Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable. Equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Past performance is not indicative of future result. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback LLC. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 710. Now, let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback with best-selling author David McKnight, author of the book, The Power of Zero. And Dave, for our listeners who don't know about you, don't know about your work from The Power of Zero, describe your background. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for uh, having me on again. Um, wrote the Powers Year back in 2013. Um, um, at that time, I think a lot of Americans were putting the lion's share of their retirement savings into 401ks and IRAs, pre-tax dollars, uh, sort of making the bet that tax rates in the future would be much lower than they are today, and um, and be able to wring the most out of the retirement savings. I wrote that book. Because I was looking at the national trajectory of the uh, fiscal situation in our country, uh, unfunded obligations for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And I said, there is no way the tax rates, uh, even 20 years from now, are going to be lower than they are today. And so I wrote that book um, to try to raise awareness that if we really are in a rising tax rate environment, then we should really change the way we approach our retirement savings. We should be investing in tax-free vehicles. Uh, taking advantage of historically low tax rates so that by the time tax rates do eventually rise over time, we've done all the heavy lifting and then take those dollars out tax-free. So I, I wrote The Power of Zero 2013, threw it out on Amazon, sort of crossed my fingers and hope for the best. And here we are about uh, 10 years later. It's sold about 450,000 copies. It got picked up by Penguin Random House and spawned a couple of uh, sequels. And uh, yeah, so it's um, it's been it's been a great ride and it's been a, a it's been a lot of fun raising awareness with Americans across country. What's your latest project? I know you're now a a thriller <laughs> writer with the Infinity Code. Uh, and what are you working on lately? Uh, I'm I'm trying to persuade my uh, my publisher to, or at least my agent, to find a publisher who will allow me to write a book that's critical of financial gurus like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, Clark Howard, uh, Ken Fisher. Um, I think that a lot of what those people write about 
is um, formulaic. It's one size fits all. It's sort of black and white. Uh, I, I think it fits um, the, a, a sector of America who tends to spend more than what they take in. They're making 50, but they're spending 60. Dave Ramsey's the guy for you. But um, I think they try to package your material so that it applies to all Americans. And I think that's a dangerous approach. And so um, I, I tend to, or uh, the goal is to try to expose what I call the gap between what the, the financial advice that they provide and the type of advice that people that have substantial wealth actually need. Um, and the one size approach, one size fits all approach does not apply to people who have substantial wealth and are trying to wring the most out of their retirement savings. So that's that's the uh, the book that I plan on writing uh, at some point in the next year. Yeah, that that's that's wonderful. So let's talk about the demographic cliff. Uh, what it, what are we really experiencing? Because I remember when you did. I think first came on the scene. You were talking about the Peter G. Peterson Foundation and all these kind of things. And uh, we hear in the news, I mean, I think Ron DeSantis is the first candidate I've heard in a while talk about the debt as a problem. He just announced uh, for the presidency a week or two ago, and he's hitting hard Trump. He's hitting Trump hard now. I don't want to get political here because of financial show, but hitting Trump hard on the deficit. So it was a little refreshing to hear somebody talk about the national debt but we've lived, I, I guess we would say, Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, not to pick on anyone's favorite political candidates, where the, you know, I remember, you know, Clinton and Gingrich talked about the debt, and then it seemed like there was a 20-year vacuum where the debt didn't matter, uh, but it does matter. So let's talk about the debt and the demographic cliff our, our nation's facing. I guess they're two distinct yes, things. Yeah, but yeah. Both are yeah. problematic. So, so let's go. I actually did a podcast recently on this. Let's go backward in time to Bill Clinton. When Bill Clinton left office, he left the office with five trillion dollars, and he stood before the nation right before he left, and he said, "I got great news." We said, "We have budget surpluses for the next twenty years." In other words, if all we do is we stick to the budget, we will have budget surpluses for the next twenty years. Okay. <clears throat> and um, what happened between then and now is we added on $26 trillion of debt. And we did that for a variety of reasons. We did that because of the prescription drug program. That was like $8 trillion of unfunded obligations. We we financed a, a, a couple of wars. We normally raise taxes to be able to do that. Um, we, we had the COVID crisis. So all of these things added up, okay, to the point where we're now at $31 trillion. So that that's what drove the debt up until now. But what's going to be driving the debt between now and, say, 2033? Um, Biden has projected that the debt will grow by $20 trillion between now and then. What is going to be growing the debt between now and then, you know, at a rate of $2 trillion per year? It's going to be underfunding for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. In other words, we have promised way more than we can afford to pay for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Why is that? Well, it's because baby boomers had much fewer children than their parents did. Okay, so there are about 78 million baby boomers, and they're the next generation, Generation X. I'm a Generation Xer. There's about 30 million fewer of us. Okay, so you now have much fewer people putting into the kitty than um, <clears throat> much more people taking out. And as as baby boomers leave the workforce. They're going to stop putting money into the program. They're going to start taking money out. And as they do, uh, we're going to approach this day of reckoning for our country. We know that, for example, Social Security Trust Fund runs completely dry 
in 2032 or so, which means that it's going to have to get by on simply the revenue coming in. There's no longer going to be that rainy day fund, which is money that had built up over the years that was um, surplus that didn't need to go out. It was just building up over time. That's going to be completely exhausted by 2032. Medicare is going to go bust a lot sooner than that. So we have these demographic issues that are super, super, uh, that, that are driving these fiscal uh, issues. And, and Medicare, Medicaid, uh, and Social Security are so expensive that they are going to bankrupt our country unless we either dramatically raise taxes, dramatically modify those programs, reduce them somehow, um, or some combination of two. So that's really what's facing our country. And the message that I've been trying to get out is that I don't believe the federal government is going to be taking away Medicare, Social Security, or Medicaid. I think they're going to be raising huge amounts of revenue. They're going to need huge infusions of cash. At some point in the next 10 years, they're going to kick the can down the road, as we can see, by these recent debt ceiling negotiations, they love to kick the can down the road. They're going to kick the can down the road, which means the fix on the back end is going to be even more severe, even more draconian, and tax rates are going to have to go up. And I'm not the only one that's saying this anymore. It's most experts do believe that tax rates, even 10 years from now, have to rise dramatically or uh, or we go bust as a country. So, um, so, you know, the question becomes, if you are saving for retirement, should all of this information change your approach. I also think that a problem is spending. I mean, you talk about that, but I I read something the other day. I don't know if you've done any research on this, but COVID spending, why are we still spending like it's COVID? If we just change our budget to, let's say, 2019, that would help us get on a path to greater fiscal responsibility, but nobody's doing that. Uh, And uh, have you researched that? You know, like what the budget was in 2019? No, but uh, I mean, if history serves as a model, we know that once the uh, once the government earmarks money for a program, you know, it tends to, you know, it tends to it tends to be put in place permanently. And I think that's the fear with a lot of these programs where, um, you know, they have expiration dates or whatever. Once a program, once America becomes uh, habituated to a program. Uh, they tend to get really angry when that program gets taken away. That's why I personally believe that the Trump tax cuts will be extended for the middle class uh, prior to 2026 and extended for another eight years. Um, so that, you know, that doesn't surprise me if that's the case. Yeah, I, I believe DeSantis brought it up that, hey, one way to get a control of the debt, he was kind of critiquing the McCarthy Biden budget deal like, hey, guys, This isn't a real deal for the Republicans or those on the right or people, just Americans who want more fiscal restraint. The real thing is we got to go back to the pre-COVID budget because we don't have those spendings. Uh, And I think this budget deal is a sham. You know, when will our nation live within its means? But um, I don't want to get, you know, too, too political, but you talk about the problem. Our country is spending money like a drunken sailor on the left and the right. They're just, you know, it's like that boy sticking his finger in the dam. The dam is all the unfunded liabilities. Uh, the dam is kind of what they're trying to do. The The water it's pushing back is the unfunded liabilities. So what is someone to do uh, with the kind of the financial storm we're in? Banking crisis of two months ago, it looks like, you know, Maybe another bank or two will fall, but it looks like that's sort of under control. But then we're we're heading 
straight into a recession. Uh, what are your thoughts on this recession and banking crisis of the last few months? Yeah, I don't. I, I tend to not have a huge, uh, a strong opinion on the types of things that one would investment invest in to sort of weather these types of storms. I'm more of someone who uh, takes a stand on the types of accounts within which you should invest. Um, I, I think that this uh, regional bank crisis. I think that there's going to be some. Uh, more fallout from that. I think that more banks are going to go bankrupt. I think that uh, the big banks will get even bigger in the meantime. Um, I think that money will continue to flock to the big banks because um, you know they had those uh, they had the much higher standards in terms of super supervision. Um, in, in terms of the recession, I you know I don't have a real crystal ball here, uh, and I, I tend to have a long term perspective on these types of things. Uh, but my my approach would be. Continue to invest in capital markets, continue to invest in capital markets, but do so within the right types of accounts. What are the right types of accounts? I think for a broad swath of Americans, the right types of accounts are tax-free accounts like Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth conversions, some types of cash value life insurance, uh, taking money out of your IRAs up to your standard deduction, having that be completely offset so that's tax-free. And then if you can keep your provisional income low enough, then your social security is tax-free as well. So it's all about building a broad-based, comprehensive balance approach to weathering what I think is going to be the biggest storm that faces Americans over time. And that's dealing with a dramatically higher taxes down the road. I think that the market will ebb and flow based on lots of different factors between now and, and 2033. But I think that if we don't have our fiscal house in order by 2030 or 2033, somewhere in that time frame, I think that we're all going to be in for a rude awakening, particularly if we have the lion's share of our assets squirreled away in 401ks and IRAs. And folks, if you like what you're hearing and you want to learn how to get tax-free income for life, get David McKnight's book, a forward by Tom Hegna, industry legend of the financial industry, a step-by-step plan. For a secure retirement, the book is called Tax-Free Income for Life. That'll be our free giveaway for those of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review at 888-988-JOSH. Or if you like more of a novella, uh, this is Howard, who's a CFP in our office. His favorite book that you've ever written is The Volatility Shield. He says that does a really good job of communicating the topics that we as financial advisors try to bring up, but sometimes you just don't get it or it's kind of boring. The Volatility Shield, Howard says, is is your best book, uh, bar none. So we could give that away <laughs> as well or The Power of Zero, the, the new update. Uh, just call us, folks, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. 888-988-JOSH. So I'm going to ask you this. I know your favorite book now is probably The Thrill or The Infinity Code. Of all your books, what's your favorite book? And then I want you to get you repeat what you said and unpack, because about a few minutes ago, you just gave people, I would say, the secret to financial success in like two or three minutes. So you probably practiced that. <laughs> I've heard that from you before, but I want you to unpack it and repeat it because you're not saying, you know, I'm going to be able to prognosticate. What I like about you is you're not trying to predict the future. You're not trying to dissuade people from investing in the capital markets. You're telling people, hey, here's what is. Here's the where you should put your money, asset location, which I think a lot of these financial books are missing. 
So what's your favorite book that you've ever written? And then we'll get into your comments. <laughs> I don't know, Josh, that's like saying which, which, which of your kids is your favorite. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's a tough one. That's a bad I, I would question. say that if you're looking for pure enjoyment level, the feedback that I've gotten the most is probably from the Infinity Code. Um, that's a full-length novel that has financial themes. It's sort of, uh, you know, it's um, sort of a cross between a Dan Brown thriller with, uh, you know, some financial, you know, with a financial book that has financial themes. Um, that's my most recent book. Um, but, I, you know, I hear a lot of people tell me, like what your CFP in your office said, that the Infinity um, the volatility shield is their favorite. So people tend to like stories that have, uh, you know, cool twist endings and and feel good endings as well. So um, so those are those are probably two of my favorite. Uh, the 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 bestseller, of course, is the Power of Zero, far and away. Uh, I think that's the one that's the sort of the bedrock of the entire Power of Zero worldview. Um, so I, I I certainly can't slight that book because that's what put everything on the map. And even look before you lerp, I think answers the very question of. You've heard a lot of insurance policies are poorly structured. What is a properly structured insurance policy? I think that's a great one. And, you know, there's a debate. Uh, I know there's this one guy who's picking on you, and then you were fighting him on social media, and then he was fighting you. I think you made him bigger, though, by you fighting with him because you're bigger than he is. But, uh, you know, I think the debate, you know, term, UL, whole life, IUL, it can sort of be dumb. The thing is, get protection. Make sure your your uh, policy is properly constructed. And so I do like that book, Look Before You Lerp, because of some very intricate things. Uh, do you want to comment on your on your recent, now, now recent, I think it was like last summer, you had a little TikTok war with somebody, or maybe it was when I was on vacation. Are you talking about the, the, the I don't even want to mention his name, yeah, the guy we, on YouTube who yeah. every other video is anti-index uh, universal life. Is that the guy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I wrote, um, you know, I basically watched an interview that he did. And, you know, I've, I've got a little antenna in, in my head that sort of detects truth. And um, there were four or five things he said during this interview that um, just didn't seem right. And so I, I just wanted to correct the record. And um, it turns out I stirred up a big hornet's nest and he took it very personally, which I which I get. You know, I, I basically called this baby ugly. And um, and he basically did a lot of things, you know, he did a lot of huffing and puffing and challenging to debates and things like that. But, you know, I've, I've got a busy life. And uh, so I just let the whole thing die down, which generally I find in life is the best thing to do. But yeah, he's a, uh, he's a big whole life advocate. I'm a big index universal life advocate, and we both feel pretty secure in our beliefs. So uh, I guess I just left it at that. Now they say all controversy, it's like uh, all uh, media is good media. What, what did it, did it pump your numbers on YouTube or TikTok or Anything uh, I don't that 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 video that I did of him was one of my best watched videos, um, probably because, um, you know, he had so many of his followers that actually watched it. So you took all of his followers, all of my followers. They both watched it. So it helped so, you. Yeah. then. It helped you. His clout chasing yeah. helped you. I mean, yeah. the, the thing is of the debate. I mean, I'm a little bit more on the on the whole life side on the on the permanent side. But when you come to insurance, people are so misleading, pro-term, pro-IUL, pro-whole-life, 
if, if you just think of it properly constructed, no insurance company, A plus rated, IUL or whole, is going to structure a product where they lose money. So we all agree on that. The, the difference in whole life versus IUL, and you're probably a bigger expert than I am on this, you know, it, it's, it's options pricing, it's what are they making on their yield. So people who trash IUL or whole life to the neglect of a balanced conversation, it's just like it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. I'm so tired of misinformation. I've seen good IULs. I've seen bad IULs. I've seen good whole life. I've seen bad whole life. And there are variables in both. You know, in a whole life policy, the company can change the dividends. Uh, the, the company could be bought, right? I mean, those are two, I would say, negatives of a whole life policy. You know, the big negatives. Uh, the board of directors can change the dividends every year. You know, IUL, they can lower the caps. I mean, it's, it's they can raise the cost of insurance. I mean, it's... Um, an insurance policy needs to be managed, you know, once a year, do an annual review, double check it. Um, any comments on that kind of the yeah, IUL whole I mean, life I, debate? What I, what I, what I, what I tell people generally is whatever road you take in life is fraught with peril. Um, a whole life could be fraught with peril. I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, chock full of guarantees, but the truth is, you know, you could, they could raise your, you know, lower your dividend dividend down to almost nothing and you get nothing but the guarantees uh iul like you said they can lower the caps and raise insurance um you know uh interest rates could fall so that the option budget is much smaller um so all of these things are sensitive to economic constraints um with your 401k the stock market could could get chopped in half because we're in a recession any number of things we could have another pandemic all of these roads we take in life are fraught with peril. And so we just have to balance all of these different uh, financial instruments against each other so that we have the best possibility of achieving a positive outcome over time. And so um, I, I just tend to take that sort of perspective versus my counterpart on YouTube who says, you know, IUL is of the devil, whole life is an exalted sort of a product. Um, I just think that those types of approaches are are, are stale and um, not very circumspect. Yeah, I would agree. And that's good. What your new books is going to be about challenging the gurus. So I can't wait that. But I really think um, there, there was a, a Tony Robbins documentary that said, we, we, we should do this documentary. It's my idea. I'm trademarking it right now. So if you do it, you got to do it with me. It, it should be called, I am not your guru or some. Now we can't use that because Tony Robbins used it. But something like the the answer is not David McKnight or the financial quarterback or Dave Ramsey or Josh, whatever, anybody. Josh, no, who cares? It is you're the answer taking your own con control of your financial destiny, learning about these products, learning about the tax code. Because there could be a point like somebody could say, okay, buy insurance because insurance is if if insurance is the way to save yourself from taxes, then somebody says, well, I don't want to do insurance because all these variables. Well, if you pick a good A-plus rated company and they start raising the cost of insurance, you know, you could bail on that company. You could do a 1035 exchange. And I don't care what company it is, they could fail you. You know, you have to structure your life so that it's anti-fragile. And you can't just say, well, 
well, like you said, oh, stocks could go down 50%. Well, it doesn't mean you don't invest in stocks. It means you have some insurance, you have some stocks, you have some ETFs. And I, and I love that about your work. It's not like this either or, it's a both and uh, comment on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's best represented, like I, like I said earlier, if you look at my approach to tax-free retirement, it's not having all of your eggs in one basket. I don't believe, for example, that uh, like you see on TikTok these days, I'm sure this drives you crazy, Josh. You see on TikTok these, um, it's the wild, wild west out there, by the way, uh, people that claim that, for example, IUL is the end-all, be-all of investments. So they'll they'll denigrate 401ks, IRAs, uh, 403Bs, 457s, because they don't measure up to what the IUL offers. I think that's a sort of a foolhardy way to approach Retirement. I, I believe that every stream of tax-free income out there has some quality, some attribute that makes it unique. And I'll give you an example. Um, I typically recommend six different streams of tax-free income to my clients. What are they? Roth IRA, Roth 401k, Roth conversion, taking money out of your IRA up to your standard deduction. So that gets offset. So that's tax-free. LIRP and tax-free Social Security if you can keep your uh, provisional income low enough. All of those streams of tax-free income have something unique about them. For example, the Roth IRA, you can touch whenever you want, at least the, the, the contributions you've made. None of, the, none of those other streams of income allow you to do that. For a Roth 401k, it has a match. Uh, Roth conversion, you can do as much as you want. There's no limits on how much you convert in any given year. Um, Tax-free dif- distribution from your IRA, that's like the, that's like the the holy grail of financial planning. You got a tax deduction on the on the way in. You grew tax deferred. You took it out tax free. The LIRP allows you to receive your your death benefit in advance of your death for the purpose of paying for long term care. None of the other streams of tax free income do it. So, and then Social Security. The longer you have it, the better it is. It helps you uh, mitigate against sequence return risk, inflation risk, long term care risk. So, so all of these streams of tax-free income are part of the picture. If you fixate on just one or the other, you miss out on the benefits of all the rest. And so that's sort of that balanced, comprehensive approach that I love to take uh, in my uh, financial planning worldview. Where can people find the six to eight tax-free streams of income? Is that in tax-free income or that's in power? It's in all of them a little uh, bit, but... Yeah, it's all it's mixed all in there. They can see it. They can find that in tax-free income for life. They can find it in power zero. There's been two... Uh, points today where you've just dropped pure gold for free for our listeners. We're going to, we're going to unpack those two things when we return. But if you like what you're hearing and you want his book, tax-free income for life, do you prefer they go to davidmcknight.com to buy your book or Amazon? Where do you prefer? A- Amazon's the best place. Okay. And uh, also folks call us 888-988-JOSH. We'll give it to you for free. If you call us at 888-988-JOSH, and schedule your no-obligation second opinion on your money. Protect your retirement savings from the impact of rising taxes. Up next, David McKnight just dropped two things that might take people 10 years in the financial industry to learn. He's given that to us in like two paragraphs. I'm going to break those down because, you know, if if there was a cue card that I could give young financial advisors, it would be what you just said. When we return, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, 
with David McKnight, author of Power of Zero, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. Maybe it seems like prices can't get much higher, or that the stock market is headed for bear territory, or maybe you're worried about another great recession. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, can help you protect your family's financial future in times like these. Tune in this weekend to The Financial Quarterback to hear how Josh and his team can help you decrease your tax liability and lower your risk. Call 888-988-5674 to take advantage of Josh's 27-point plan to achieve financial health. And when you call, you'll receive a free copy of Josh's book, Retirement Reality Check. Tune in every weekend to The Financial Quarterback and call 888-988-5674 to receive your free copy of Retirement Reality Check. And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback with David McKnight. We're on Spotify, YouTube, New York's biggest AM talker, WOR 710 AM. Uh, Subscribe wherever you can. iTunes. Uh, David, you dropped pure gold nuggets. I'll add two more. So you got, you said there's six streams of tax re-income. I'm going to add two more, if it's all right with you. Uh, you said Roths, Roth 401k, which by the way, that is a very underutilized thing because a small business owner can do a solo Roth 401k without any income limitation. You want to talk about that? Because people don't realize that Roth 401k is very underutilized. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you look at the typical traditional Roth uh, IRA, you know, you make north of 228000 of modified adjusted gross income. You can no longer do a Roth IRA, and, and you're constrained if you're over age 50 to $7,500 of contribution limits. You don't have those same types of uh, income limitations with a Roth 401k. And the Roth 401k, um, you know, you can put in not just the 22.5, but you get the catch up of 7,500. So you can put in a total of 30,000 per year uh, in a Roth 401k. So the Roth 401k has a lot of advantages to it. And the, and the great part about it all is you can do you can do both. If you're under that 228,000 modified adjusted gross income limit, uh, you can do the 7,500 for the Roth and the 30,000 for the Roth 401k. And if you're married, your spouse can do that as well. So that's $75,000 of total contributions to tax-free accounts. And if they give you, say, a $5,000 match each, that's another $10,000 that could go into the Roth uh, portion of your 401k. So that's you know $85,000 per year. You could squirrel away in a tax-free account. And that's before you ever even got to your LIRP. Wait, how do you get to 85,000? I, uh, I, I assume that if you have a Roth 401k, uh, maybe you get a dollar for dollar match up to 5% gotcha. of your income. And if you're making a hundred, your spouse is making a hundred, then that's an extra 10. And the 37, five times two is a great tip that I, I mean, I know knew, but I didn't think of it like that until you just said it. Yeah. Cause you could, if you own a company and let's say your spouse works for you or with you, you pay them a salary. A lot of times people don't pay their spouses a salary. I would so that they could get that 401k, that Roth 401k. But you might say, but my accountant said I got to pay the FICA tax. I got to pay the W-2. Yeah, but you could get 75 grand a year. For 37,500 times two for you and your spouse at 75 grand a year without earning any interest over 10 years tax free growth. Even if you put it at a 4% money market account, people don't realize this. 
Money markets at the bank are paying now 4 or 5%. That's all taxable. But then the Roth, it's tax-free. So, and that taxable money market, the reason why this is so important now, folks, is there's people I see all the time, they have a million dollars of cash earning 5%. They have 500 grand of cash earning 0% or 4%. They should not just keep it at the bank because that will hurt them on Social Security taxation. They will hurt them on Medicare taxation. You alluded to this earlier, but, but break that down because I think a lot of people are like, oh, goody, my banker is now giving me 4 or 5%. After the bank giving you nothing for 12 years, they're waking up, they're getting better interest rates, but they don't realize they're going to get screwed on taxes because that million dollars of cash or that 500000 of cash at 4%, extra twenty grand a year that's taxable income, uh, what are some ways, <clears throat> first discuss the problem and then some solutions on that regard, in that regard? Yeah, so people people got to remember this is all short-term capital gains, uh, which means it gets paid at ordinary income tax rates, which means it gets piled on top of all your other income and tax on the margin. So if your highest marginal tax bracket is 32%, uh, throw in another 8% uh, for state tax. So now you're paying 40% tax on that 4% growth. So now you're, uh, you know, you only made 60% of that growth. So 60% of four is 2.4. So now you're barely keeping up with inflation, right? And all of that uh, income now gets, you know, gets counted as provisional income. So if you're in retirement and you're taking social security, it increases the likelihood that you're gonna have to pay tax on your social security, okay? And remember, if you have to pay tax on your social security, you got a hole in your social security because of uh, taxation. How do most Americans go about plugging that hole in their social security? Well, they got to spend their 401ks and IRAs down to compensate. And, and that's uh, could cause you to run out of money quite a bit faster than you thought possible. Uh, all because we're growing dollars in a place where really the tax is optional. I tell people all the time, if you're paying the tax in your taxable bucket, that's an optional tax. So why not uh, there, there's a lot of different ways, Josh, frankly, to get money out of your taxable bucket and into a tax-free bucket. You can uh, contribute it to a, a Roth IRA if you're still working. Um, <clears throat> you can uh, take more money out of your paycheck and contribute that to your Roth 401k, fully fund your Roth 401k if you're not already doing it. You will now have a hole in your paycheck because you've taken money that you would have otherwise spent and you put in your Roth 401k. Well, compensate out of your taxable bucket. Spend the money out of your taxable bucket to compensate. You could do a Roth conversion. Uh, so you can then take money out of your taxable bucket to pay the tax on that Roth conversion. Uh, you can take money out of your taxable bucket to fund an LIRP so that you have long-term care. And if you die peaceful in your sleep, never having needed that long-term care, your children or grandchildren are still getting a death benefit. So there's all sorts of different ways to get money out of that taxable bucket if you have too much in there. But suffice it to say, if you pay a tax of that taxable bucket, it's an optional tax. You, you don't have to pay it. You're choosing to pay that tax. You know, fantastic. And, and there are basically asset relocation strategies, whether it's Roths, whether it's the LERPs, uh, fantastic. David McKnight, author of the book, Power of Zero, free giveaway, 888-988-JOSH. Call us now, 888-988-JOSH. We'll give you one of his three books, Tax-Free Income for Life, great book. Also, uh, look before you LERP or the Volatility Shield or Power of Zero. You get to pick one or just go on Amazon, search for David McKnight, great author, one of the best uh, financial authors of the last 25 years. Put him up there with anybody. And, and his books are good. 
and they show you how to get in zero bracket. A lot of people think, well, I, David, I make too much money to do these strategies. This sounds great, but how do I really get in the zero bracket if I'm, you know, if I, if I get a million dollars in cash uh, or a million dollars in an IRA, how do I get to zero? And, and you break it down in power of zero. They, they actually can, but a lot of people don't realize that they can. Yeah, I actually have a lot of people come up to me and they say, oh, Dave, I got a million dollars in my IRA, so I'll never get to zero, right? I'll never, I'll never be able to pull this off. And um, I say, you got to read the, the, the chapter, I think it's chapter six of the updated revised version of the power of zero. It's called the tax sale of a lifetime. There is a sweet spot in the Trump tax cuts that people often overlook. It's my very favorite tax bracket. It's 24% tax bracket. You know, if you're in the 22% tax bracket, Josh, um, you know, let me back up and say, if, if you're in the 12% tax bracket, and I warn you that tax rates could potentially double in the next 10 years, and you say, okay, but you want me to bump up into the 22% tax bracket to protect myself from that? What have I basically told you? I basically told you, I'm going to double your tax bracket in the short term to avoid a doubling of tax rates for you over time. That's not something that most people really get warm and fuzzy about. However, if you're already in the 22% tax bracket, why not convert your IRA to a Roth up to the top of the 22% tax bracket? By the way, the 24% tax bracket is only 2% higher but it allows you to convert an extra $170,000 per year. So between the 22 and the 24% tax bracket, uh, you could convert $250,000 per year and still be at a tax bracket that's lower than the future version of the 22% tax bracket, which is the 25% tax bracket. So we have this window of opportunity during which to take advantage of historically low tax rates. I do personally believe, Josh, that they're going to extend the uh, 22 and 24% tax brackets for the middle class. And I think they're going to do it before 2024, certainly before 2026. Um, I think that politicians that don't do that will be perceived as having raised taxes on the middle class. That's not something they want to be perceived as having done. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's going to happen, which means get a million dollars in your IRA, you could potentially have eight or nine years during which to take advantage of the 24% tax bracket, which would allow you to convert 24% or $250,000 per year and still stay in this insanely low uh, tax bracket relative to what we've seen in history. So there is all sorts of opportunity to get to tax free. And every year that goes by where people fail to take advantage of these historically low tax rates is potentially a year beyond 2030 when they could be forced to pay double the rates. No, that's fantastic. And folks, get the book Power of Zero. You can learn all about this. Newly revised and updated. Call us at 888-988-JOSH. Or you uh, you can get it for free if you call us at 888-988-JOSH. Or buy it uh, wherever books are sold, Amazon. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback with David McKnight, author of Power of Zero. 888-988-JOSH. 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 So... David, this is good stuff. So let's break down the tax-free stuff some more. I, you know, you said this golden phrase, six ways people can get tax-free income streams. You have number one, Roth 401ks. Number two, Roth IRAs. Number three, Roth conversions. Number four, LERPs, life insurance retirement plans, which is really good if you have people who can't do a Roth and people who are in the 37% tax bracket 
even more so because or people who want long-term care. We'll talk about that. Uh, There's many different reasons why that's powerful. Fifth is IRA distributions up to the standard deduction, which is very underlooked. And you talk about it in Power Zero because Mm -hmm. sometimes in this Internet soundbite community, meet life insurance friendly advisors who say, get all your money out of the 401k, get all your money out of the IRA. And they, duh, you're not doing it wisely. You got to, yeah, do it up to the standard deduction. And then what was sixth? And then sixth I said, social, social security. Social so security. You stay, stay below your provisional income thresholds. And that's huge. Uh, and, and I would kind of link with that Medicare taxation, because if you have everything tax-free, you're going to have lower Medicare taxes when you're 75. Uh, Irma, the dreaded Irma, you want to talk about that? Irma planning's big right now. Yeah, yeah. So this is one of the number one uh, complaints that people have about Roth conversions, as they say, hey, Dave, if I do a Roth conversion over the next five years, my, my Irma payments are going to go through the roof. They're going to get really expensive. And is it really worth it? We actually have a calculator where we <laughs> we actually show them the Irma they would pay if they just left the money in the IRA and how those Irma, those increased Irma payments, they just get bigger as the RMDs get bigger and bigger and bigger. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And then we add up cumulatively how much increased Irma premium they would have to pay over their lifetime versus having to pay just the increased amount over the five years and then just the normal premium from that point forward. And you know what? It's not even close. And then if you add in the social security taxation that you have to pay by having to, um, you know, take those RMDs over time and you add that to the increased IRMA payments, it's not even close. And so um, it's sort of like Ed Slot says, you got to rip the Band-Aid off. And if you rip the Band-Aid off, then you'll be uh, you'll be all the better for it. So as it relates to IRMA, which is the income related Medicare adjustment, your ugly Aunt Irma that you don't want to come visit you. For some reason, the time that people should do this LERP planning and Irma planning is in their 50s. And then they kind of wake up and they realize they should do it when they're 65. Why is it so important for people to wake up? If you're 50 and over listening, why should people do this planning at 50 instead of just 65? Now, if you're 65 or 70, it's not too late. You should still do it. But talk about sort of the age people, because when sometimes people hear this, they say, oh, I'm too old. And then other people say, I'm too young. Kind of break down, what should a person in their 40s do, 50s, 60s, 70s? Like a life cycle approach. So so are you talking about like uh, the timing of Roth conversions? Yeah, like what I've found is in applying your work, Ed Slot work, other uh, researchers kind of saying the same thing. Sweet spots like 50 to 65 because you don't have the ermine even to deal with. So it's better to do the Roth conversions when you're still working and in your 50s early 60s and when you wake up unless you're in a really high tax bracket from 50 to 65 and you retire at 65 and you're going to be you know you know you're let's say you yeah. have a lot of passive income stuff like that yeah I, I think if you're still working you know obviously you haven't taken uh you're not taking medicare yet and you're in the 22 percent tax bracket a lot of americans that come to our workshops and come into my my office they're in the 22% tax bracket. They're, you know, they've done a really good job saving. They've saved 10 to 20% of their income over a long period of time. So they got a million or $2 million in their 401ks. But they're in that 20, they're middle-class Americans. They're in that 22% tax bracket. For those people, it makes a ton of sense to 
you know, convert to the top of the 22 and then for 2% more convert to the top of the 24. That makes a lot of sense because you get all the heavy lifting done, number one, before tax rates go up for good, but number two, before you have to start dealing with IRMA. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the flip, flip side is if you wait until you're 65 to do your Roth conversion, you could be in a lower tax bracket potentially, um, but you have to weigh that against the, the the potential of paying higher tax on your IRMA and paying higher tax on your Social Security while you get that money transitioned to tax free. So uh, I, I would say that if you're currently working and you're in the 22 or even 24 percent tax bracket, it makes sense to start executing that Roth conversion while tax rates are low and while you're in that low, low tax bracket. What about people in their 70s or 80s? They say, I'm too old for this. It's funny, we had Ed Slot on, and we had a listener. We either had you or Ed Slot on, and we had a listener who was in her 80s and 90s, and Ed was like, Yeah, don't worry about it. Spend your money. You're going to, but he didn't realize these were my listeners. These are New York, New Jersey. People listen to WR, they're frugal. They're clipping coupons, even though they have two million bucks. What he should have said, and I, and I, I corrected Ed because he didn't know my audience as well, even though I think we both got our start on the same basic station. My theory was if you have an 80 year old and you haven't spent it by now, you're probably not going to spend it. So it would be far better to do the conversions, the Roth conversions from 80 to 90, even though they've changed the law with the secure act. Cause Ed was kind of like, ah, the secure act. Now they got to spend it. And you know how he is. He's like, ah, it doesn't matter. Just spend your money. You're 80. Enjoy yourself. Eat the, you know, eat the birthday cake, you know, go for ice cream, but he doesn't get it. They're not doing it. So my point was, because I know our listeners a little better, from 80 to 90, do those conversions. And because they're at a lower bracket, maybe that are 12 or 22 or 24, their kids are in a 37% bracket because their kids are very successful. And your kids could have 10 years of tax-free compounding with the Roth or with a LERP. You could buy a LERP on your kids and they could have 80 years of tax-free compounding. Yeah, there's two considerations, I think. One is, this is what I call the quadrupling of tax rates, Josh. Um, if you're married in your 80s, there's a good chance your spouse is going to die pretty soon. That's just the that's just the demo, uh, the actuarial table. 70s, right? to be honest, people are dying at 77, 78, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so your spouse is going to die. And what happens to your tax bracket? It contracts by half. So all of a sudden, you're spending the same amount of money, but you're paying twice as much in tax. So that's that's an issue. The second issue is um, that we're still, you know, if you got to if you, if you're going to be alive for ten years, you're still under the gun when it comes to increasing tax rates. You could still potentially be exposed to higher taxes down the road. Uh, David Walker, former Comptroller General of the Federal Government, predicted in his book uh, "Comeback America" that tax rates would have to increase to a 45 percent effective. Uh, level across the board by 2030 uh, to keep our country solvent. So if that happens, then you're going to be able to spend as much, you know, much less of that required minimum distribution as you thought possible. So that, so not only did your tax bracket double, but taxes themselves doubled. So there's your quadrupling in tax rates. And then if you don't, like you mentioned, Josh, if you don't pay the tax today at these historically low tax rates, then your kids are going to inherit these IRAs and be forced to spend it down. Um, on top of all their other income at their highest marginal tax rates at the apex of their earning years when they can least afford to pay the tax, when tax rates are likely to be much higher than they are today, when they've got fewer deductions to be able to pull it off. So 
generally speaking, doing the Roth conversion for people in that situation almost always makes sense. Fantastic. Yeah. So we, we stumped the big, the legend, Ed Slot. <laughs> we didn't stump him. I, I think he was just on a path of where he says, you know, spend your money. Uh, you're a certain age. God bless you. You know, he was sweet. He felt bad for this uh, listener who just was, you know, saving their pennies. But what I found, if a client's not spending their money by like 80, 85, they're not spending much of it. You know, they might take a little bit here or there. But I think you also have to incorporate, you know, realism. The other two things I thought about that you made me think about were HSAs. Right. It's another triple tax vehicle. And now, although I was never a big fan of the 529, I'm sure you're, you know, I just think it's a very limiting financial product. Um, now with some of the new rules of the revised Secure Act 2.0 and the, the kind of the fix, I think you could leave up to 35 grand in a 529 now, and then the heir can convert that to a Roth. So that would right. be like the eighth tax-free vehicle to kind of incorporate to your work. Uh, any comments on that? Yeah, I would say the one I hear about most often when when I when I list those six, the one that people bring up the most is the HSA. And and the HSA is also like the holy grail of financial planning because you get that tax deduction when you put the money in it grows tax deferred, you take it out tax-free. So in that regard, the HSA is just like your tax-free RMD when you offset it by the standard deduction. So the I mean obviously the only constraint with the HSA as you've got to use it for a qualified uh, healthcare expense, but we all have qualified healthcare expenses and you're going to have to spend that money at some point in your life. So why not spend it in a tax-free way? So uh, certainly the HSA, the only reason I don't typically talk about it is because it does have a few uh, strings attached and not everybody uh, has access to it, but um, it certainly does qualify. And as we conclude, you dropped this pure gold phrase when you said the where you put your money is more important. Can you repeat that phrase slowly? Boy, let's see. What, what did I say? It was it's, like, it was pure It's not gold. so much the investment as the type of account within which it's being invested, something like that. Yeah, and then you also said there are like six things you should do. It might have been the same thing you just said, but it, I don't know. There was, I, I got it's, it's It's six different streams of tax-free income, none of which show up on the IRS's radar, but all of which contribute to you being in the 0% tax bracket. Yeah, that's beautiful. And well, I want to thank you for joining us. As always, David McKnight, you can get his work on Amazon. Go to davidmcknight.com. We have a lot of advisors who listen to the show. If, if you're interested and you want to learn more about what he does Dave, for advisors, davidmcknight.com. And folks, if you want the book for free, we'll give it to you. If you call us right now at 888-988-JOSH. And parting thoughts for our listeners. Anything you want to talk about that you didn't? No, uh, don't let a year go by where you're not taking advantage of historically low tax rates because once that window shuts, it's going to shut for good. And we're going to look back uh, 10 years from now, we'll look back on 2023 and say, why did we not take advantage of those historically low tax rates while we could? The other thing that you made me think of, just popped in my mind, kind of conclude, you've been m mentioning long-term care riders as a big thing and the ability to protect long-term care. I would say the last three years, there's been an innovation I'm seeing of single people interested in the LERP for the long-term care privileges, but because they saw so many seniors die in nursing homes, in COVID, or the reports, or maybe they know somebody, and they don't want to have 
you know, they don't want to be relegated to a state run facility. So I've seen growing interest in the LERP from single people with no kids. Have you seen that too? Uh, it's certainly, yeah. I mean, because the, the alternative is if you don't have any sort of a care, you do get relegated to a Medicaid funded, uh, you know, long-term care facility. And, and frankly, the, as you know, Josh, the, the, the level of care in a Medicaid funded long-term care facility is not anywhere close to the care you're going to get in a privately, you know, funded long-term care facility in the LIRP. And as much as it allows you to spend your death benefit in advance of your death for the purpose of paying for long-term care, uh, serves a you know serves as a great great way to uh, fund that expense. And what I've even done with my trusts and things that kind of my end of life planning is I set up my kids have to use my LERP to pay for me to be in my house mm. and be taken care of twenty four seven by nurses in my house get a separate entrance. So I, you can be very, so if you don't want to go facility, you can have your LERP. It's also freedom from a nursing home if you don't want to do that too. So that's, that's a good point. Well, thank you so much, David McKnight, author of The Power of Zero. Folks, you can get it by calling us at 888-988-JOSH or going to Amazon. Thanks again so much for joining us, David. Thanks for having me. Take care. The preceding program was sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group. Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including five-star wealth manager, advisory of the year finalist by senior market advisor, and top of the million-dollar roundtable, are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth quarterback website at jelinski.org. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to effect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the the rendering of personalized investment advice. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC.